All right, good morning, guys. I hope everybody's had a fantastic morning so far. That was, I came in really loud there, sorry. Um, hey, my name's Evan. I'm one of the ministers here. Uh, we're going to be hanging out in 2 Kings chapter 3 today. So go ahead and start turning over there. 2 Kings chapter 3. Uh, as you just saw from the video, the holiday season is upon us, which is really, really hard for me to believe. I feel like school started like two weeks ago, and then we woke up, and Thanksgiving is this Thursday. But something that we love to do this time of year is to talk about Advent. Now remember, Advent is the arrival of a notable person. And so next week, we're going to start our Advent series. So this week, what I thought we might do is talk about how do we get ready when an important person is about to arrive, right? Over the next couple weeks and and month and a half or so, uh, we're probably going to be having guests to our homes, right? Or, Or at the very least, we will be guests at other people's homes, I found this video a few years ago of, um, of, of this guy dressed up as a girl, but, but I feel like it really encapsulates uh, what my house looks like whenever we're getting ready for guests to come over, and I, I wanted to see if you guys could maybe relate. I'm in the house now, 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 people. I want this place looking like Disney on ice in one minute. Harry, if you haven't made your bed, throw it away. It's too late to make it now. Company is coming. Get rid of the couches. We can't let people know we sit. The chairs need to be pushed in. There cannot be any sign of living in this house. I don't care if we have to throw everything out. I want this place looking like a new Mediterranean fusion restaurant by noon. I mean, uh, it's funny because it's true, right? I, um, I, I tell the story first service, so you guys get to hear it too. Um, I, I guess it was the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, Laura put together a progressive dinner for uh, some of our elementary kids. And so we had the uh, joy of having the, the main course. And so we had 18 third through fifth grade girls come over to our house. And I remember Rachel and I were running around the house cleaning like crazy and I stopped and I was like, we have 18 third through fifth grade girls coming to our house. Why are we cleaning anything? Like they're, they're going to come destroy our home in a very short, they're all sitting right here nodding. Yes. Uh huh. Um, but when we have guests come over, right, we, we put forth all this time and effort in preparing for them. And the reason is this, is we know that preparation often leads to Experience, And in fact, in most cases, it determines our experience. How we prepare determines how that experience is going to go. And so this is true in work. It's true in school. It's true in sports. It's true in music. Like, whatever it is, how we prepare definitely determines the experience that we have. And so as we are getting ready to go into this season, uh, while we await the arrival of an important person, right, Jesus... But also, as we await the arrival of God in our everyday lives, I wanted to take time this morning to to look at God's Word, to to look at the story in 2 Kings, and to see how God's children prepared so that we can figure out a way to get the same experience that they did. So we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 9. Let me set the scene a little bit. So you have these three kings that have come together, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom. For all intents and purposes, they are our good guys in the story. The majority of of the people in these armies are children of God, and so these are our good guys in the story. And they've come together, and they're going out to fight a war against 
the Moabites, right? The Moabites are the bad guys of the story. Um, And so the armies are ready. They're marching through the desert. And this is what happens starting in verse 9. It says, So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After they had marched seven days, just one week, there was no more water for the army or for their animals that were with them. The king of Israel said, this is terrible. The Lord has called us three kings together to hand us over to the Moabites. But Jehoshaphat, which is a fantastic name, asked, is there a prophet of the Lord here? We can ask the Lord through him. An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He was Elijah's servant. Jehoshaphat said he speaks the Lord's truth. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to see Elisha. And so they they went to Elisha and they said, listen, how can God help us? How can he show up? How can he arrive on the scene and get us out of this situation? And this is what Elisha's answer was. He said, the Lord said to dig holes or to dig ditches in the valley. The Lord says you won't see wind or rain, but the valley will be filled with water. Then you, your cattle, and your other animals can drink. This is easy for the Lord to do. He will also hand Moab over to you. You will destroy every strong walled city and every important town. You will cut down every good tree and stop up all springs. You will ruin every good field with rocks. The next morning, about the time the sacrifice was offered, water came from the direction of Edom and filled the valley. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we anxiously await your arrival, both in this season and in our daily lives. And so, God, as we, as we talk about you showing up, Father, I pray that we can also remember the things that we need to do to prepare for that, the things that we can do to help us benefit from the amazing blessings that you want to give us when you arrive. God, be with us as we look at the story. Uh, speak through me this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so preparation leads to experience. Let's, let's talk about the easy stuff first. Let's talk about the experience. When we look at the story, what was the experience? Well, it was, it was a pretty good one, right? God showed up in this amazing way. In fact, you know, they had no water, and God miraculously fills this valley with water so that they can have what they need. And and that's the part that we're we're kind of on the same page with, right? Like, we all want that experience. We all want, when God shows up, we want to be able to take advantage of all the blessings that he is going to give us. But we know that part of that responsibility does seem to fall on us sometimes because we know that preparation leads to experience. So, how did God's people prepare? Well, we see in verse 9 that they are not off to a fantastic start. Because what happens? They're they're marching for seven days, and then after seven days, they're out of what? They're out of water. Now, I do not have extensive experience leading armies, just to be fair, right? Um, But I feel like if I'm going to help people prepare for war, I've got three armies in the middle of a desert with all these soldiers and all these cattle. On the short list of things that I am not wanting to run out of, I think water is probably on that list, right? And so the first idea that we really need to remember when we're talking about preparation is this. Guys, we've got to prepare for the main thing. 
Now, listen, I'm sure that there was a ton of work that went into getting three armies ready for battle, right? Like, truly, I have absolutely no idea what that would look like, especially on the scale that they did it. So there was a lot of hard work. There was a lot of preparing. But I feel like our culture doesn't really help us here because so often we equate busyness with preparation, right? And isn't it true that sometimes we can work really, really hard and do a lot of stuff and be super, super busy and not actually be preparing for what's most important? And I I feel like this season especially is so, so easy for us to do that. We can worry about the food and we can worry about uh, the guests coming over and we can worry about uh, cleaning the baseboards, which where did that even come from? Like cleaning the baseboards? It's apparently a thing. I don't know. Um, but we lose sight of what's most important. So when it comes to preparation, it is so important to remember, let's prepare for the main things. And, and listen, I know people out there who are saying, great, that's just one more thing to do. Listen, this, this is not a guilt trip to do more, especially during this season. In fact, it, it's actually the opposite. This is permission for you to say no to some of the things that maybe aren't as important as we think they are. And listen, I, I can't decide what those things are for you and for your family, but, but I know that there are those out here that need to hear that right now. This is not the church guilting you into doing one more thing. In fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. It's us taking a step back and really thinking, okay, if this doesn't get done, is it that big of a deal? Especially if I'm preparing for this much more important thing. Now, I feel like it's at this point that we could probably stop the sermon, which we're not going to, sorry. Uh, We could probably stop the sermon and we'd have this nice little church message, right? God's people prepare, God shows up, and we all live happily ever after. But I think it's super important to deal with the tension that we don't always feel like that happens. I think if we're being super honest, we don't always feel like God shows up. Which is why this this next part, this next uh, idea of preparation is probably the most difficult, and that's to trust God to show up. Because why in the world are we going to prepare for God to show up if we don't think he's going to show up in the first place? Right? When, when the in-laws call, we clean the house. Why? Because every time they've called, and even the times that they haven't called, like they, they show up, right? So, so we expect there's this expectation there. But if we don't believe that God is going to show up, we're not going to prepare for him. And sometimes we don't prepare for him because in the past we haven't seen him show up. And guys, this is, this is a real tension, right? This is a real tension that we live in. But if we look at the text here, I think it gives us a really, really good starting place to how to resolve some of that tension. Now, it may not answer all of our questions, but this is a great, great place to start. In verse 17, it says this. It says, The Lord says, You won't see wind or rain, but nonetheless, the valley will be filled with water. Guys, just because we don't see God show up in the exact way that we think he should doesn't mean that he's not showing up at all. 
Just because we don't see God show up in the way that we think he should show up, just because he doesn't resolve this issue the way that we think he should resolve it, doesn't mean that he's not showing up at all. And in fact, he kind of tells us this here, right? He said, hey, listen, y'all, sometimes I'm going to show up in a way that makes absolutely no sense. Like, how in the world is this water going to get here if there's no rain or no wind to get the water here? And so we may have been praying for God to, to take away that hurt or that sickness or whatever it is, and we look around and the sickness, the hurt, it doesn't go away. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss the fact that he has placed people around us specifically to help us through that hurt. Or, or even when, when we get extra money, what happens every time you get extra money? Something breaks. Like 10 times out of 10, right? And so on the one hand, we'd be like, yes, we have this extra money. I can go buy this thing that I probably don't need. It's like, crud, now I have to pay for this thing. But in reality... Like, God knew that that thing was going to break, right? And so he pre-gave us that money knowing that we were going to need it because had that not happened, man, we would, we would be in a pinch, right? That would be tough. Or, or even for the person who is probably listening to this message and is just kind of not really buying any of it, and, and, and that's okay. But I want to point out the fact that somehow, some way. God put you here this morning to be able to hear this, guys, and that's not by accident. God provides for us in ways that we can't ever imagine. And, I, and I'm thankful that we serve a God who is far more intelligent than I am, at least, that knows what we need better than we do. So, guys, when we're trusting God to show up and, and, and when we just don't see it sometimes, let's remember that sometimes God is going to show up in a way that we're not expecting. And just because we don't see him show up in the way that we think he should doesn't mean that he's not showing up at all. All right, so we're, we're ready to focus on the main things, right? We're, we're ready to prepare for the main things. We're ready to, to trust that God is going to show up. And we talk about this idea that preparation determines our expectation. So it makes sense in this last part here that the depth of our preparation should determine the depth of our experience. And that just, that just kind of makes sense, right? You study for 15 minutes for a test, maybe you get a C. Congratulations, you see for continue, right? That's what they say. But hey, if you study for an hour for the test, maybe you make an A. And so often the work that we put in is kind of determine what we get out of it. But I think when it comes to God, we have this misconception that the amount of preparation we do determines how much God is willing to bless us. And that's just not quite right. The amount of preparation we put in has nothing to do with how much God is willing to bless us, but it has everything to do with how much of God's blessing we're actually able to receive. And, and here's what I mean. Let's, let's look back at the story one last time. God told his people to dig holes, which can we just admit, that's kind of weird, right? I mean, like, hey, you're in the desert, go dig some holes. Um, but God tells his people to dig these holes, to dig these ditches, dig these trenches, whatever you want to call them. And the promise is that the valley will be filled. So just to kind of get our minds of what's actually happening, all these armies are camped out in a dried up riverbed, okay? And so during the rainy season, what would happen is it would almost be like a flash flood of sorts. Water would come in, it would fill the valley, 
And just as quickly as the water came, the water would leave and leave everything kind of gross and, and soggy. So what God is saying here is like, hey, I'm going to fill the valley. So what I want you guys to do, dig some holes so that when the water comes, it can fill up with water. And when the water leaves, you still have water left over. And so I'm Mr. Soldier person. I guess just a soldier or whatever. Uh, but, uh, but I'm here and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to dig my two foot by two foot hole. Well, what's going to happen? Well, I dig my hole. The water fills up the valley, the water leaves, and I have some water left over. But I think it's so interesting that God never tells them how deep to dig the holes, right? So this two-foot-by-two-foot hole is great, but what if I wanted to dig a ten-foot-by-ten-foot hole? Well, the same would be true. I would dig my hole. God would send water. He would fill the valley. The, The water would leave, and I would have a full trench, What if I wanted to dig a 100-foot by 100-foot hole? You you guys see where I'm going with this? Guys, God wants to bless us immensely. Like, he really, really does. But that blessing is not determined about how hard we work. He wants to bless us the same each and every time. Our job in that is to make sure that we are carving out enough of our life to receive all that God wants to give us. And y'all, it's a lot. He wants to give us a lot. He wants to bless us as much as we can handle. You know, as we're finishing up today, I think it's super important to realize that we're not the only ones preparing, right? Just as we are preparing for God to show up in our lives, he has been preparing for us to show up in heaven someday. And, you know, we talked about that last week, right? John 14, Jesus said, God, go, or Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But if we apply some of those principles that we talked about today, the fact that our preparation determines our experience, take just a second to think about how much God has done to prepare so that we can live live with him someday. Titus says, before time began. There was this, this promise of eternal life, and I am not fantastic at math, but y'all, that's a long, long time. And so if the depth of, of God's preparation started before time began, how amazing is it going to be when we get to live with him someday? Y'all, and, that, and that's the hope we have. That is, that is the, the reason for the season, as they say. So as we enter into the season of Advent, as we enter into the season of arrival, let's, let's make sure that we are preparing for the main things. We're preparing for the things that matter. Let's do our best to trust that God is actually going to show up. And, and even when we don't see him, let's remember that, hey, sometimes he doesn't show up in the ways that we think he should. And let's make sure that we are carving out as much of ourselves as we can to receive the fullness of how much God truly, truly wants to bless us. And let's do all of that with the hope of knowing that just as we are preparing for him to arrive in our lives, he has prepared for us to arrive in his.